Hello, I'm John Ellis, and welcome to episode 14 of Petodri PS, the predominantly Dons-based podcast featuring not just the Dons' first team, but a look across the age groups and genders at the club. And we focus on the respective progress of Cove and Peterhead too, as well as the Northeast local representatives in the Highland League and junior scene. And not just football, but any sport making headlines in the northeast of Scotland or featuring someone from the northeast of Scotland. Joining me for this journey, as always, Dave McDermott and Andrew Shiny. So here we are recording this episode on the evening of Tuesday, 9th November. And apologies already to Sheltie Dawn, who enjoys listening to us, usually in Shetland on a Tuesday afternoon. We've already knocked his entire day, possibly week out of whack, better late than never. Uh, the Dawn's on a good run going into Saturday's match with Motherwell at Petaudry, but the game ended in a 2-0 defeat for Aberdeen. And speaking after it, manager Stephen Glass. I think probably the same as everybody else that watched it. I think first half, we were okay. A lot of threat, a lot of decent opportunities that we should have done better with. And second half was the the exact opposite of the performance second half we got last week. And and as a result, we got what we deserved. So that's that's it in a nutshell. Two of the softest goals you're likely to see. Uh, when, When things go against us like that, we... We we've we showed last week we can react, but I think we showed this week that we didn't didn't react in the right way, uh, didn't produce the levels that we did in the first half, and 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 got what we deserved as a result. For Motherwell, coming off the back of a six-one thumping by Rangers, an important three points for Graham Alexander's men. The complete opposite of last week. It's a very easy way of doing it. I think you know, describing it. I think the the players were absolutely magnificent. I think the um. The way they've trained this week as a squad, not just the starting eleven, the whole squad, twenty odd players, how we've um, committed to it, how we need to improve, it's been superb to watch. Obviously, you have to put it in practice in in game time. We did that today against a, an excellent team on a great run of form away from home, and um, I couldn't be more proud of a group of players than I've had in my career. To be honest, they they were absolutely superb. The Dons' right hedges says being denied by Aleem Kelly double save didn't mean the team was resigned to defeat. I don't think you can ever say we still had plenty of time when that happened. But um, yeah, it pulled off some very, very good saves. And that final that final little the bit was missing today. But we know we've got to do a lot more, be a lot more clinical. And I'm, I'm sure we will be going forward. Double goal scorer Kevin Van Veen, on the other hand. He's amazing. You know, he's a very good goalkeeper. And that save shows how, how, how quick he is with his hands and... Uh, it's a very good save because if that goes in, you know, we still need to see 10, 15 minutes out on the complete pressure uh, from Aberdeen. Balls will be put in a box with 2-1. So that save is a, it's a game-winning save also. So credit for him for that save. OK, Saturday against Motherwell. Andrew, your thoughts? Very disappointing. I think everybody was going into it uh, full of confidence, thinking here we are coming into an international break. Uh, against a Motherwell side who are struggling, uh, beaten, as you said, 6-1 at home the previous week by Rangers, uh, without their captain Stephen O'Donnell suspended. And uh, you thought everything points towards Aberdeen uh, picking up another three points if they can carry on the form that they showed against Hearts, particularly in the second half. And I thought for the first half of the game, we did do that. The only problem was that um, the chances that we managed to fashion, none that were particularly clear-cut, apart from Lewis Ferguson's one. Uh, where he cut in from the, the right side of the box, uh, but the left foot shot hit too high. I mean, he, he should have been more careful with that, I think. You're expecting, even on his slightly weaker left foot, Lewis to at least be hitting the target there. Um, but there was enough positive signs in the first half. I thought Marley Watkins looked very dangerous, and at the back, we looked pretty solid. I don't recall Joe Lewis having anything to, to deal with. 
Motherwell, on the other hand, showed no football whatsoever. All they seemed interested in doing was uh, stopping Aberdeen from playing. And they were aided and abetted in that aim by Don Robertson, the referee, who seemed to allow them to have four or five fouls each before he even thought to speak to anyone. So um, at half time, you're thinking, well, we're going to have to just be a little bit better second half. But if we repeat what we did against Hearts, we're going to be OK. Unfortunately, we saw the mirror image of the Hearts game. Everything that we did right against Hearts, we didn't do right against Motherwell in the second half. The defending for that seven-minute period when Van Veen got his two goals, really, really sloppy. The first one, um, it's a decent ball played into the box by Sean Goss, but it's a, a, a pass played in hope rather than expectation. But when you look at it, two centre-backs, Ross McCrory and David Bates, they're so far apart. Nobody is picking up Van Veen. It's a decent finish from the Dutchman, make no mistake, but he should never have been allowed that space. Then the second one, the free kick that comes to the far post, Ricky Lamy allowed to head it back across too easily. And then Scott Brown drops his man to go back onto the line to defend the, the second ball. And that opens up the space for Van Veen. And again, it's a neat, tidy striker's finish. And from there on, Motherwell had something to hold on to. And they held on to it relatively comfortably, although Liam Kelly produced one magnificent double save, an unbelievable save from where I was sitting. I was convinced the ball was in the back of the net, but somehow he touched Ferguson's header onto the post and then reacted so well to get the, the rebound away. Um, full credit to him. I thought his handling in the second half was spot on. Whether it was to show Steve Clark that he should never have been left out of the Scotland squad, I don't know, but ultimately a very disappointing afternoon for Aberdeen. I thought he was diving about like a seal. I'd have slapped him if I could have got close enough. <laughs> Any, anything to add, Dave? No, I agree with... Uh... Absolutely everything Andrew said. I mean, if you take out that spell early in the second half where we, we did switch off collectively for that, that period in the two goals, look at the rest of the, the performance and you're actually quite happy in terms we were so much in front and the better side in the first half, the only team that wanted to play football. Uh, I agree, Don Robertson, just not strong enough. How Barry Maguire stayed in the pitch, I'm not, not sure at all. He should certainly have gone um, and got a second yellow and been off. But, uh, no, disappointing. But uh, I think my own, in my heart of hearts, I think this is just a wee blip, not another, you know, back to square one again, if you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I have to say, though, I, I thought they, they should have been renamed Mugger. Well, it, it just reminded me of Hearts games of old where they deploy that system of, you know, the rotational fouling thing. Yeah. where you're the bad guy for 10 minutes. Oh, hang on, you got booked for that one. Okay, you're tagged out. Now you're the bad guy. They had five yellows. They should have had more. Uh, Van Veen ran away from scoring his second and flicked the prongs at the home support in the South, Dad. I think there's a case to say we didn't battle the way we should have and the individual errors for goals crept in again, but they were just thugs, weren't they, Andrew? I mean, we got bullied out of this game. We did to an extent, and that was disappointing because you know what you're going to get with Motherwell. Um, I, you know, they are similar to Hearts. They, they are very physical. They're in your faces all the time. I think one of the problems was second half, we didn't see Marley Watkins have any influence in the game at all. And you can see what an important player he is when he drops out of the picture, like he did in the second 45, maybe Stephen Glass should have thought about changing things around a little bit. But um, we still had so much possession. We, we 
put plenty of crosses into the box, but we just couldn't capitalise at all. I think we had 13 corners, and it wasn't like it was all bad deliveries. There were some decent enough deliveries. There was one unforgettable piece of action in the first half, which could only ever be described by the late, great Arthur Montford. That was a good all-out stramash. Yeah. I mean, uh, there was there was more um, hunting around trying to find the ball there than there was when Scotland beat Australia at Murrayfield the following yeah. day. Um, but... Uh, but no, it, it was disappointing to see the way that um, we dropped out of the game. And, and you know, Motherwell didn't have to work terribly hard second half once they got their two goals to ensure that they came away with the spoils. So um, I'm sure it was the last thing that they wanted going into an international break because you've got two weeks to dwell on it. Most of the players are still going to be at Cormac Park training. Um, so there's a lot of hard work to be done ahead of the game against Dundee United. Yeah. No, it's interesting you mentioned that, Stramash. Uh, using exactly that word, Gordon, who plays the music, uh, but Audrey turned around to me and said, that is what you call a Stramash. Um, you mentioned it doesn't put us back to the drawing board, Dave. I actually thought, I agree with you, we did okay first half without capitalising the chances that we made. I expected us to come out second and get the job done. Uh, and as you mentioned, Marley Watkins faded very, very quickly. What do you think's actually gone wrong? Just too many games for him? Maybe too much too soon because, you know, he has been out for a fairly lengthy time, both the last season and earlier part of this season. But, uh, yeah, on his on his day, he's a match winner for Aberdeen. But as we saw on Saturday, if he fades, he does fade and, you know, was more or less a passenger in that second half. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, at halftime, I thought it's just a match of time. Yeah. But uh, then, of course, the... The opening of the second half was not the way it was scripted as far as we were concerned and uh, we know what happened. Yeah, a break now, Andrew, for the international team to nail down that playoff spot, uh, fingers crossed. In the meantime, is it a case of regroup to focus on the good of what's happened? You know, because you've got, you actually have that to look back on now and say, well, look, we did this, uh, rather than the bad uh, and get in shape for that first match back. I don't think you can ignore the bad. That's the, that's the thing. I mean, we've we've seen the good over the last three four games. We've looked pretty decent going forward. Um, there's a, a they're much more pleasing in the eye. Uh, but if you're going to commit these cardinal errors like they did defensively on Saturday, you're not going to win games. And that's the that's got to be the focus of attention now is to eradicate these errors. You'll never eradicate them totally, but minimise them as much as you possibly can because, you know, the forward players must be looking and thinking, oh, for goodness sake, you know, okay, we haven't taken our chances, but we're creating lots. And when the ball goes to you lot, you're chucking in goals. Mm. Um, So every manager will tell you and every player will tell you, you you attack as a team, you defend as a team. So everybody's got to do their bit. But... um, They've got to tighten up defensively. There's no getting away from that. Now, I did ask the manager in the post-match press conference, is there any possibility of any of the injured players coming back? He said he wasn't sure, but he thought there might be. Now, I think Jack McKenzie, um, it's probably a little bit too early for him. Uh, He was on Red TV duty on Saturday, and I had a brief chat with him, and he said, it's coming along well. Listen, a week ago he was in crutches and he was walking and, and seemed to be walking quite freely. But you're not going to take any chances with uh, the injury that he's got um, rushing him back. 
But um, maybe if you get Calvin Ramsey back in there, uh, because Funso has done a decent job as a makeshift right back, but it's not his natural position. Um, Calvin Ramsey might just have that little bit extra and in terms of his delivery from set pieces um, give you another weapon in your armoury for going down to Dundee United and bear in mind it's a Dundee United side that shipped five goals against Hearts uh, at the weekend and didn't look too clever defending cross balls but hey it seems to be that you have a bad defeat go and play Aberdeen that'll get you back on the road <laughs> you haven't won a game play Aberdeen it's it's becoming a little bit of a broken record this isn't yeah. it that um, you know if you want a confidence lift play the Dons but you know it's a first it's going to be the first time that the Red Army have been able to go to Tannadice for a long time and play against Dundee United they will go in big numbers they will make a lot of noise and hopefully that will lift the team but if you're asking what should they be focusing on between now and that game it's getting rid of these defensive errors because they're killing us yeah i'm just wondering if you were to try and look into your crystal ball dave do you think this is a, a sort of indicative spell of how the season's going to um you know roll out where we'll get a batch of maybe decent results for three or four games and then it's a few steps backwards and then onwards again and but you know just an up and down kind of transitional season well i, th- I think when you look at the the severe you know, reorganisation of the personnel at the start of the season, change of play, etc. It was always going to be one that uh, was never, you, you wouldn't have thought it was never going to be instant success. It certainly wasn't the instant failure that we thought it was going to be. But I do think, you know, realistically, perhaps as uh, the, the team does settle down, I think we're looking hopefully to get into, into the top six and stay there. But to be honest, it is a, a season of consolidation. So you, what you are looking for is a top six finish in the league. You're looking to get a, win a cup, so you can uh, win the Scottish Cup, so you can get back into into Europe as well. So uh, any more than that, to be honest, at this stage is probably a bonus. Given it wasn't that long ago, we we're talking about if we lose these three games coming up, we could be in a relegation battle. Yeah, is is that what? Success looks like, to, I mean, or acceptable results look like to you this season, Andrew. Is is um, uh, you know, first and foremost, stay up. Uh, second, convince the board, the fans, the world at large that this is the way we want to play football. Uh, you know, largely speaking, that we've moved, we've we've made a, a conscious effort to move to this style of football. Uh, and then, if you get anything over and above that, then it's a bonus. Is that is that is that what our acceptance of this season might be? I don't think it's what you would have been looking at, you know, three months ago when the season started. Uh, But given the way things have panned out, that may be the case. I think certainly you've got to be finishing top six. That is a bare minimum. Uh, And if you can get yourself into Europe, um, you know, that's a bonus. Uh, I think looking at the, the way the league campaign is going, possibly... Scottish Cup success is going to be the chance to get into Europe this season rather than through our league placing. But we're still not even at the halfway point in the season. There have been a lot of ups and downs for every club in the league. Um, Some have suffered more than others. Uh, So there's a long way still to go. Another thing is there's a January transfer window still to come. 
And who knows how many Aberdeen players could be going out or coming in in that window. Uh, so it's it's very, very difficult to... I mean, if Dave's crystal ball is right, then he can give me six numbers every single week um, because there, it's the, the future is really muddied at the moment as far as I can see because we don't know, you know, if you pass your, yourself forward to 1st of March or 1st of February even, um, what's the squad going to look like? Um, is it going to be the same as it is just now? I don't think so. Um, but um, I think, as I say, the chances of getting into Europe probably rest on a good Scottish Cup. And it's winning the Scottish Cup, to be honest, unless you, you lose in the final to the, the league winners. Um, the league position... It's looking a bit shaky, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Yeah, and just on the subject of crystal balls, gentlemen, uh, as I remember when we predicted what the scoreline might be this this weekend past, you both went for, was it two and three nil, something like that? Uh, I think I went for a single goal. Dave was a wee bit more optimistic right. than I was. And I, I suggested I that we might... right, just the wrong way. <laughs> I suggested that we might have a blip and go back to, to nil-nil. So I'm just oh, wondering. here you go again. I'm, Will I'm, you stop being right? I'm just, well, I said nil-nil, so I'm just wondering if I might get a half point for getting outside the scoreline right. <laughs> okay, that first match back then, Dungeon United away, Dave, followed by Celtic away. Again, you're looking at it, you think, oh, a couple of difficult ones, but if at all possible, we have to try and stop this season from yo-yoing out of control in terms of form, don't we? Yeah, and uh, United are very much an up-and-down team. You know, they're, when they're, when they're on form, they're good. But uh, as we saw at the weekend just past, when they're not at it, they can come up against a, a heavy reversal. Um, so I don't think, you know, I think the three games that we, we'd predicted were going to be the hard ones and we came through them okay. So you're, you're looking, you know, I'm coming around to your way of thinking, John, that it's <laughs> the Livingstons and the Motherwells that you worry about, mm. not the ones that... Uh, and the crowd, as Andrew pointed out, the crowd down at uh, Tannadice, that'll be a, a, a real boost for, for the Aberdeen players in, in that one. And then Celtic, of course, that'll take care of itself as well. Uh, the one thing uh, about this uh, Dun United team this season, Andrew, and the way that they're playing is it seems to be, I mean, they could have gone down to Tannadice at the weekend and tried to shut up shop. They went down and tried to play football and ended up losing uh, to Tancastle and ended up losing 5-2. It looks like they're going to come out and try and, and you know have a go against pretty much any team. So if that's the case, we might be in for a, a bit of a barnstormer down at Tannadice. Yeah, they, they play quite an attractive brand of football. Dundee United under Tam Courts and all credit to them for doing that. I think um, he was probably getting a little bit fed up with hearing, oh, you know, Dundee United sort of played eight games. They've, been, they've scored five goals. They've conceded three or something like that. They're you know, and from the outside looking in, you think it must be awful to watch. But um, they are the, the one day that they score two, they concede five. Mm. <laughs> so um, if you, you don't know. Um, uh, but to, no, they've got some good footballers. Peter Pollitt's still quite capable of um, turning a game in its head. Uh, Nicky Clark scores goals. Um, the big boy Ryan Edwards, I mean, that was some goal that he scored, albeit it took a deflection to, to get, take it away from Craig Gordon. Uh, but um, there's they're quite pleasant uh, to watch. Um, maybe just not as, as watertight at the back. Does that sound a little bit like Aberdeen? Um, yeah. you know, uh, so it, it's 
It's got all the hallmarks of either being a nothing each where both sides absolutely cancel each other out or very, very open and mm. hopefully finishing 4-3 to Aberdeen. Yeah. You know, I, I think the latter might be the case, you know, like a 2-2 or a 3-3 draw, something like that. I would ask you to do a predictor on that one just now. We'll wait until next week's episode, uh, at which point we'll no doubt be reviewing the international team's successful capture of a playoff spot, having stuffed Moldova away and Denmark at home. A boy can dream. Just on that, Andrew, it, it would be the most Scotland thing in the world to cock up the Moldova game and then leave ourselves needing to secure something from the Denmark one. But are you confident enough it won't come to that? I'm hoping it doesn't. Um, but uh, as you say, it's Scotland. And Scotland are capable of producing uh, the weirdest and most god-awful results from nowhere. But I think, you know, there, there's a look of a club side about Steve Clark's team. Um, they all play for each other. Sometimes you've seen international teams where it's patently obvious that the players have just got together two or three days before the game. And in some cases, they don't really like each other that much. But the current Scotland squad, there seems to be this club ethos that everybody works for each other. They work together, um, they play together, they drink, be merry together, etc., etc. Um, I think they'll get the job done against Moldova. I certainly hope so, because you really do not want to be going into the last game against Denmark, needing to take... Mm a positive result um, to get yourself into the playoff spot. Because although it's going to be the last game of a group that they've won absolutely comfortably, um, Denmark, I think, have got the mentality that they'll want to go through it with a 100% record if they possibly can. They're not going to go, see, boys, the job's done. We'll throw out the kids now. And if we lose the last couple of qualifiers, so what? That's not the way that they think. So, I uh, I hope that the job is done in Moldova on Friday night. Kind of a hallmark of a, a Steve Clark side, as you say, that um, you know the, the, they have that that club mentality, that feel about them. Also, they might not always play that well, but they seem to do just about enough to get over the line when they have to every time. Uh, score predictors uh, for both them: Moldova versus Scotland. First of all, Dave. I think Scotland will get through on Friday, early Friday evening. Two um, 0 Scotland. Andrew. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think Craig Gordon and Gold showing no signs of letting up in the superb form that he's shown uh, throughout the season. How many points has that guy won for Hearts this season? Um, but he's he's keeping it going at the international level. So I think he'll keep a clean sheet and we'll nick a couple of goals. To, uh, to quote another podcast of yours, uh, Red Rewind, the Jim Layton episode, the story about Jim coming back and, and winning that Scotland cap again and playing in front of all his family at the uh, the World Cup, I think it was, against Brazil, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Um, it, I just find it very reminiscent. Uh, you know, this the, the, the Craig story is, is very similar. You know, he just, just wanted to give himself a chance just to come back and give it a go. It's It's got that same sort of ring about it, hasn't it? Certainly has. I mean, uh, I think that there were some people were a little bit sceptical about when he left Celtic and, and went to Hearts. Um, they thought, you know, Celtic must know that he's finished before they've let him go. It, it turns out it was a horrendous error on Celtic's part letting him go and signing um, the boy Barkas, who, you know, a £5 million flop. Um, but Craig Gordon has been superb for Hearts. And when he got himself back into the Scotland team, he just kept that form going. And he, he doesn't look as though he's getting any slower um, he's still producing world-class saves on an, an almost daily basis. Um, he's got the capability of going on, like Jim Leighton and Dino's off before him and playing 
240 and probably beyond. Yeah. I mean, he's a superb goalkeeper. Yeah. Uh, Scotland versus Denmark on Monday for the, uh, the prediction, Dave. I think a lot will depend on how the game goes on Friday, obviously. But I do think if, we're, if, we, if we get the job done on Friday, uh, unlike the Danes, sometimes Scotland can think that's the job done, put the tools down. I know they won't be wanted to think like that or consciously doing it, but I'm part, and part of me, I'm arguing myself here, because part of me thinks that we might get something from, from that at home on Monday. Yeah. So I'm going to... Glass half full, 1-1. One, one. <laughs> Dave, I can't believe it. I'm in complete agreement with you on both scores as well. Andrew, what do you think? Are you going to bring a bit, a touch of realism to this? I don't know if it's realism, um, but I think it will be a fantastic result for Scotland if they can get a point from the game. I think that will be the most they'll get. Uh, I just feel that Denmark, you know, they've got such a good side there. Um, and... I think they'll just be too strong for the Scots. I'm hoping that it's a nothing game as far as Steve Clark's side is concerned and they can't turn around at the end of the 2-1 defeat and say, you know what, it didn't matter. Mm. So I'm going to go 2-1 Denmark. Okay. Now, no game uh, for the under-18s, or so I thought. <laughs> Andrew, you're about, to tell me, you're about to tell me otherwise at the end of this. They were supposed to be facing Hibs at Corbett Park on Friday. That was cancelled when Hibs' senior side relied on picking some of their under-18s to feature... Uh, in a rescheduled match against Ross County to replace personnel affected by the COVID outbreak at Easter Road. In a very uh, rushed fashion, there is now an under-18s game on for the Dons this weekend. There is. Uh, on Friday night, 6 o'clock kickoff down in Motherwell, uh, we play the Steelmen's under-18s. And uh, I fancy Aberdeen to, to go down there and continue the good form that they've been showing in uh, I was going to say a recent weeks. I, was, I better say the last two months because I haven't played in recent weeks apart from a youth cup tie. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Barry Robson's team to, to keep the, the good stuff going that they've been showing throughout the season. And uh, it's it's never easy against Motherwell. They usually have quite a decent crop of youngsters. I mean, uh, this is a, a team that's produced David Turnbull, Alan Campbell. Mind you, Alan Campbell... I haven't seen, seen or heard very much of him since he left Motherwell, but David Turnbull, outstanding at Celtic mm. uh, in the Scotland squad. Um, so they're capable of, of bringing through good youngsters, but uh, I think Barry's crop at the moment is, is just too strong for them, I hope. Um, and so they've got a game this Friday, as I say, six o'clock. Braidhurst High School, I think it is. So goodness knows where that is. Somewhere <laughs> in Motherwell, probably up the top of a hill, and it'll be blowing a hoolie, it'll be freezing, there'll be pouring rain, there'll be no cover. So I'm sure you'll, when you're sitting at home on Friday evening, you'll be thinking of me out there freezing myself to, to bits just to, to bring everybody news. I'll probably be thinking, oh, for God's sake, how can we concede to Moldova? No, <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> Well, that's not the case. Does it strike you as a game that was set up possibly on Saturday, you know, after full time and Barry's nipped along to Alan Burroughs and said, what's your under-18s doing this Friday? I think they were scheduled to play Motherwell this week. But the thing is with under-18s, um, there's there's various um, age groups uh, away playing in internationals. Uh, and it, it's often left to the very last minute to, to confirm games. Um, although the fixture list comes out, it's just indicative. It's not a case of, right, Friday the X of the X, you know that you're going to be playing Celtic away, then the following week you're going to play Dundee United at home or something. Um, it's that week you're scheduled to play them. Now, if everything's okay, um, you probably will play them. But um, it's 
it's a difficult one to, to try and keep tabs on, but um, it's Motherwell away this week. Okay, and good luck finding that school. Now, for the uh, Aberdeen women's team, three matches in a week started last weekend with a 2-0 reversal against Tibbs in the SWPL Cup. Back to league duty on Wednesday at Glebe Park. It was always going to be a tough ask uh, against one of the stronger teams in the SWPL, and so it proved with the home side going down 5-0 to Glasgow City. Uh, That was followed by a Sunday trip to Motherwell, a team they'd already faced and defeated on cup duty earlier this season. This time, uh, the result going the other way, they lost out 4-3 and are now in eighth spot in the table. From what's been a really positive start to the top tier, Dave, the AFC women facing slightly tougher times at the minute. Important, though, to recognise it's not always a case of being totally outclassed uh, by superior opponents. They've been in a real tussle in a lot of these games, but they've had a lot of injuries recently. Uh, Their full team not always at the manager's disposal. Hugely important they keep their heads up and try and stay in an upward trajectory at this point and they don't simply lose heart. Very similar to the men's side just a few weeks ago. Yeah, it is. And uh, I think, you know, the, the, that early positive form at the early early part of the season, you know, that got some points on the board. And as, as we're seeing now, they need that. And, uh, you know, let's not forget, this season was all about consolidation, nothing more. And, uh, you know, they're all been tough games, but they could also come out of the, those the stronger for it. And, uh, you know, I think as long as... Uh, the girls stay in that top flight, that will be very much a, a success story and then they can kick on next season but uh, still a long way to go and still a lot of hard games and as you say they're, they're very rarely being, being totally outclassed by sides. Uh, on to Cove Rangers uh, in second spot on goal difference heading to this match against Montrose at Lynx Park on Saturday past in relatively good form with a feeling that they were just about to hit top gear Confidence was high within the Cove camp ahead of this one, but despite those hopes, the match ended in a stalemate uh, as the sides played out a goalless fixture. Cove now in third spot ahead of a local derby next week when they welcome Peter Head. Uh, Peter Head went into this weekend's fixture list hoping to continue their recent upturn in fortune, having faced a minor blip last weekend, a draw against Montrose at Balmour. Uh, Travelling to Adrianians this time, one of four teams threatening a slight breakaway at the top. The match ended... Uh, in a 3-1 defeat with those three points actually propelling Adrianians top of the table. Peter Head now in 14, eight behind Cove in the league after that draw. Still, generally speaking, much improved uh, on their league start. And who knows how it's going to go next weekend when they visit Balmoral Stadium to face their local rivals. What do you think for that one, guys, when it comes along? I think Cove will be hoping that um, home advantage swings it their way. Uh, Last weekend, you know, that was... Disappointing for Peter Head that they went down at Airdrie, but Airdrie are a, are a strong side. Um, no great surprise to see that it was a share of the spoils between Montrose and Cove. They are pretty evenly matched, as are so many of the sides in that league. But I think Cove, being at home, will just shade it against Peter Head. Dave? Yeah, it's actually this weekend the game because there's no international break for the for the League One yeah. teams. Um, but you look at the, the league at half time last Saturday. I thought the scoreboard and Sky's app had broken down because every game was nil-nil. It was all nil-nil, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah and, that, and four of the games, apart from there, all, obviously, as you touched on, ended all square. And that's just how it shows how tight this uh, this division is. And home advantage, Cover, you know, Cover starting to play at home again the way we know they can. Um, and I think, as Paul Hartley said after the game at Montrose, 
the wind and we all know what the wind was like at the weekend made mm-hmm. it so so difficult that it was just impossible to play their normal brand of football so I do think home advantage could be crucial at Balmoral this this weekend and uh, fingers crossed that uh, Cove can keep the pressure on Airdrie yeah, for the Highland League teams, a couple of midweek fixtures to mention before the Saturday ties. Uh, Lossie Mouth edged out 1-0 at home to Rothis on Wednesday in the league. On the same night, Fort William played Broader Rangers in the GPH Builders Merchants Highland League Cup and lost 10-1. Uh, they tried sending on the club doctor at halftime to pronounce time of death in the fixture, but no joy. In the weekend ties, Fort William versus Keith was postponed because of a waterlogged pitch thought to have been caused by the Fort William team and staff still greeting after being pumped 10-1 in the cup on the Wednesday night. Saturday saw Broder beat Tariff 4-0. Strathspey and Wick both spanked 6-0 by Bucky Thistle and Inverurie Locos, respectively. Clark went down 1-0 at home to Brechin. Uh, Forrest beat Huntley 5-2 away. Share the spoils for Lossie and Nern, that one ending a goal apiece. But the big result of the day saw Fraserburgh ending their unbeaten run going down 2-1 at home to Rothis. Even with that defeat, uh, they remain top, but that lead slashed just six points. And Brechin in second place have a game in hand, so things starting to tighten up again, at least a little bit. In the juniors, Dave. The big news was uh, almost a shock defeat by for Banks City at Lockheed United. In the Scottish Junior Cup, so that dream is over, leaving Dice as the only representative from the area in the last 16. It was 1-0, Logan Davies scoring the only goal of the game in the second half. In the Super League, uh, Hermes are out on their own now in front after a 4-1 win at Nairn St Ninian. Uh, Jack Craig getting a hat-trick in that one, and that was because Bridget on Thistle passed up in the chance of uh, joining them by losing 2-0 at home to Colony Park, thanks to a Stuart Mackay double. Again, there was games postponed because of the weather, but in the Division 1, leader Stonywood Park Vale went down 1-0 at home to a second place Stonehaven. Daniel Higgins scoring there with six minutes to go, so that tightens up. Stonywood Park Vale still clear at the top, but uh, the league obviously has been cut. In Division 2, Newmarket United challenge has taken a bit of a battery recently. Forrest Thistle uh, le- leapfrog them into second place courtesy of a 1-0 when the only other game to take place in Division 2 at the weekend because of the weather was say, Glen Tanner 2, New Elgin 1. So pretty quiet weekend for the juniors. Okay, and uh, Banks of D, uh, I mean, commiserations them ending their, their, their cup interest, but whoever schedules the matches at Banks of D must be must be counting the lucky stars because at this point they're probably into 2024 just trying to get this season played out. They've played, they've played eight, eight league games so far this eight. season. Eight. eight. And how many is everyone else on? They're about five behind most of the other oh, teams. Crikey. Wow. Uh, that is pretty much it for episode 14 of Pitodri PS. We aim to publish every week on a Tuesday, if we can, always looking back to the Don's previous fixtures and ahead to the next. Please remember to follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you could rate and review us, tell us what you think of the show as well. We'd be very grateful. Thanks for checking out Pitodri PS. We'll see you next time.